Welcome back. Welcome back to Pop Opinions. Pop Opinions. Episode forty-eight. It is forty-eight. And this it, is it. Do we need like a new gimmick now? Because now you just know whatever episode it is. Now the next episode I might not because we're taking a bit of a week. We're taking a week off. Yeah. So because I'm going on holidays. A little vacation. A little vacay and um, cross the country. So uh, it might throw me off. You never know. I think because I it's in it's in my age range right now. I remember it. So by the time we're in the 60s, you're not going to remember? <laughs> Maybe. We're almost at a year, though. Yeah. Almost at 52. Year. And, uh, well, I guess now we'll be behind. Yeah, we will. So yeah. it'll be like episode 51. Yeah. When it's our one year anniversary. I know. We're almost at the half century mark. That's exciting. We should do something special. The three of us should all band back together. We'll think of something. Like Meg, you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for like the one year. Yeah. Just to like kind of like, how's everybody doing? Do we enjoy the year? You know? Probably, probably not. Well, I meant enjoy the year of podcasting. Oh. Yeah. Do you want that on that too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Case, how you doing? Well, I'm good because I'm going on holidays. I'm a little nervous though. I have to say I've never really, I'm not a nervous traveler. I love flying. I love being in airports. like my favorite thing to do. But I think because of what we've been through in the last like year and a half, it is a little nerve wracking. I'm not scared I'm going to get COVID. I'm not scared of that kind of stuff. I'm just scared of like them getting to the airport and them saying like, do you have a COVID test or do you have this or whatever? But I've read everything and it says I don't need it to be in our own country. So I'm like, okay, I should be good. And the fully vaccinated helps. Yeah, I've been fully vaxxed for like a month at least. So, so I'm good. I'm excited. I haven't seen my best friend in two years. We can so. say we can, you can say hi to Lisa. Hi Lisa, I know I'm really excited. I'm really really excited. So I'm glad I had a busy day today because I feel like if I didn't, I would just be like staring at a clock. Tick tock, tick tock. How are you, Jack? Uh, I'm good. I'm having the opposite of a vacation. I know you are. I feel really bad. <laughs> I had. I mean, between March of last year until this past week. I had worked two shifts, mm-hmm. so I I love how Dad said it that we, me and my girlfriend, were just living the retired life. Yeah, I'm gonna say I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to work, definitely a better work environment than I was expecting, but uh, it's I, a little hard on the body the first weekend. Well, I think because it wasn't like you had one shift. It's like you guys were like you know like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like it. And like long hours, like yeah. your one day was like over 14 hours, like they're on your feet at a, like for weddings. Like it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's more just impressive to see the amount of active calories I burn, the amount of steps I take. It's as opposed to just sitting here every day. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember yeah. that when, uh, when I, maybe two summers ago, I had a Fitbit and you could see like your day, like the week what, and I could just, you could see when I was working because <laughs> It would just be so high. And when yeah. I didn't, I would just take those like days really off, which right. I've done. I've had this is the second of two days off when we're recording and definitely trying to take advantage of it. Yeah. Just because it's one of those things when you don't want to just relax because you want to do things mm-hmm. that'll be fun. And yeah. because, you know, it's your days off. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Besides that, sports, uh, the other, the Joe shows just kind of gone on the back burner for a bit. I'm going to record one after this, just me and kind of update on everything. Yeah. Just because of the scheduling it's, it's hasn't hard. really it's, worked. Yeah, scheduling is hard with you guys, right? So, yeah, there has to be a little bit better of communication of when, you know, you're going to record and mm-hmm. everybody's schedule. It's hard to line up. And that's Meg and I, too. Like we were talking, we just recorded. Well, ours will be up next week. And just we haven't recorded a month, so it was fun to be back together again and just yeah, that's you, good. You guys definitely will work for you of just sitting in a room and talking. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be like specific topics. Yeah, just sometimes we can. It's hard because her and I understand we can have a conversation, but I don't know if it's interesting to listen to for other people because we kind of talk over each other and we interrupt and we move from topic to topic, but we can keep up because we're, yeah, that's our thing. Kind of, kind of like the ADD conversation. <laughs> it really is. It is like if, if people heard our, like we go all over and then we'll go back to another topic without saying, but we just, I don't know, her and I can just keep up. Right. So maybe that's what people want to hear. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, crazy ADD girls. Yeah, it might work. It might. Yeah. 
Uh, so today we're going to do Top 100 Movie Challenge, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the finale of Loki, and honestly, it's kind of a bigger conversation of what the whole MCU is going to look like moving forward. Right, right. This was a pretty impactful episode. Uh, we got... You wrote down mem- memorable music and movies. Uh, you told me songs connected to movies. I, I kind of like the memorable no, music. No, and then and- we talked about that one, remember? Because you were like, oh, that is better. Oh, so I had said that one as that was that was the topic of whatever. And yeah. then I had said to you last week, I'm like, oh, I found it because it was like M-M-M, remember? And I was like, oh, it's an alliteration. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's yeah. do that. Memorable music and movies. Yes. Very, say that like five times fast. Okay. Memorable music and movies. Memorable music and movies. Okay, you're pretty good at that. Thank you. And then we'll pick our movies for not next week, but the week after. Yeah, we'll be back for August. We're just taking one week off and then it'll be August. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, we're just taking one week off. Okay. Uh, I guess let's start. Which movie do you want to start with? Uh, Let's start with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, Which is the 1998 directed by Guy Pierce, right? Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Damn it. I wrote Guy Pierce because I just, I had a guy in my head and wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, so the story, I'll I'll do the one sentence nutshell and then you have more of the, like, not even finer details, but more of the plot points throughout the movie. Yeah. I, I did that. It's four friends go into heist mode after their self-confident card sharp loses 500,000 euro to a powerful powerful crime lord yeah that's exactly it is that what you have that's, that, your- that's okay. all i had and then, so I, then it was like the kind of the gimmicky the they have one week and two guns yeah exactly yeah so they're 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 longtime friends small-time criminals there's like eddie tom soap and bacon and they they so they give eddie they all pull their money together to give him this like a hundred thousand dollars to play in this game but the game is rigged because i guess this this eddie guy is like a, a genius card shark kind of guy so they were like yeah let's give it to him and we'll make some money however he is the game is rigged and he gets massively indebted to the like you said five hundred thousand euros and he has one week to pay it off so the thing about this movie is I found so listen I love Guy Ritchie like I love 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 you guys know how much I talked about the gentleman like I love him this is not my favorite this was his very first movie this isn't my favorite one I felt like it was very chaotic like you know like as soon as so the next movie he does is snatch after this which is great it just gets better and better and better with him this one I found chaotic because then you get um so Harry is the Harry is the crime lord guy or whatever that he owes that Eddie owes the money to mm-hmm. and he gets he wants these antique shotguns so he tur- he gets these two, two guys to to like he hires these two guys who are like they're dumb okay they're not good at it yeah uh, they're incompetent and they sell it to someone else and then Eddie you know he gets home one day and he hears the neighbors saying that they're gonna plan a heist to get some cannabis like uh, there's a cannabis growers and they have cash and drugs so then eddie hears it through the wall so he's like tells his friends so then they're like let's once they once they steal it then we'll steal it from them like it's a very it's a very complicated kind of story like you really i feel like you really have to pay attention because you have to know like kind of who's who and who's on what side and whatnot but um i mean i i guess i mean there's so much more i could say about the movie but i'll just say at the very end so it's these shotguns they they do end up getting the heist they do end up getting that money but they end up losing it um and because uh, someone else takes it again it's all confusing and then they they send one of the guys out to get rid of the these shotguns because they have these antique shotguns. And so he's like, just go get rid of it because that's the only thing that can tie them to another crime. So these four guys are like, just go get rid of it. So at the very, very end of the movie, Tom is, um, he's got the, sh- he tries to throw them overboard, over, a, over a bridge into water, but they land on this ledge. So then he's trying to reach for it, but he has his, his cell phone in his hand. So he puts his cell phone in his mouth and he's trying to reach down to like, I guess, push 
the the guns into the water but at the same time the guy the other three at home or at their place realize that those guns are worth a shit ton of money so they're trying to call him and so his phone starts ringing in his mouth and that's how the movie ends so you don't really know and I love that ending where it just kind of leaves you like what do you think happened um, it just made it really fun. Now, what I will say about Guy Ritchie is he is he has got some really interesting shots. There's a scene with um, I think there's like 30 minutes left and it's like this bar scene and the montage they do. They're, they're all drinking. They're all like the montage of it and how they put it all together is is really fun to watch. Like it is a really good movie. You just have to pay attention yeah. or at least I did because I was like, who's this? Who's this? Like, I, I definitely found myself rewinding a few times to go. Did I like even as I was watching, I was thinking, am I paying attention to this enough? Yes. Yeah. You do a little bit where but then you think of his movies like Snatch, Rock and Roll, Man from Uncle, The Gentleman. Like he he does like that kind of because he wrote all of those movies, too. Like he's so talented. And I think he just it's he likes the kind of layered upon layered story of and who's on what side. And he definitely has a, a like a niche niche. We always say that. Niche. Yeah, niche niche. Uh, I thinking of that. I just it, it to me makes the movie better when I can immediately contrast it with the gentleman because they are very similar in the. I mean, the gentleman is more. They're kind of telling the story out of order and they're trying to remember details about what has happened, what's happening. Yeah. But I I do like them together because I I think if you made this movie now. You could do, I mean, better, I feel like isn't the right word, but I, I feel like there are aspects of it that feel very, I I feel I feel bad saying like aged out, but that, right. it, that it feels it's very it's dated. dated. Yeah. It's yeah. very in that time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true. This did introduce us not only to Guy Ritchie, but also to Jason Statham. Yes. Get, having both of them into the mainstream mm-hmm. and also, also with Snatch. I feel like the these two are going to be linked forever just because of those two movies. Yeah. And I'm almost kind of surprised to not have seen Jason Statham in either the man from uncle or the gentleman. Right. Right. Well, he's probably busy. He's pretty busy, right? Doing his action movies. And Fast and Furious. A hundred. Yeah. I, they're honestly, they're on nine. Yeah. I stopped watching at six, six or seven. Wow. I think seven. I stopped watching at three. So it's good. Well, the third one didn't, the third one was like out of order. Oh, was it? Yeah. I don't know. That. They did a weird thing like that. Oh, okay. Um, the f- perfect thing I thought because it it is funny with being a yes. like crime yeah. kind of movie. It felt like a very long crime British version of Seinfeld. Oh yeah, yeah. Because see that it just always it was almost like the cliche of um not network TV but like sitcoms of right. like. Oh, we're going to do this. Ah, oh, this went wrong. Oh, this went wrong. It just, <laughs> yeah. it, there was every turn you made, there was never, it never went smoothly. No, definitely not smooth for sure. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Um, The accents, the high speed of conversations mm-hmm. where it's almost you were talking about the ADD with you and Meg. The conversations move so fast that I've become more of a subtitle person. I like that they even use subtitles for right, describing <laughs> describing Rory in the bar and uh, lighting the guy on fire. They just you're talking so fast and with this type of slang, almost like uh, I don't know if it's Cockney British accents, but it, it does feel a little bit more like slangy. Yes, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean the introduction with Jason Statham first made me think, wow, it's 1998 and you could have told me this was last year. Like he just, he looks the same. Exact same. He must be a vampire. Um, I think that that's all I got. If you yeah. got, no, that's all I have. Um, okay. V for Vendetta 2005 directed by James McTeague. Although I'm going to say this is from the people that made the matrix, which mm. from the kind of style of it, made me think that maybe they had more more to do with it oh, okay. than just what just the director yeah that they might have had i i don't know anything about what happened behind the scenes but it just it did give me matrixy vibes with this um so this is a futuristic totalitarian britain um ev played by natalie portman helps v it's uh hugo weaving right yeah yeah um carry out his terrorist like actions his vengeance his vengeance yeah 
to tear down the government. Yes. It is. It's such a cool concept. So my background with this movie is high school. They showed I've seen it at least twice in high school. That's crazy. It's the first time I've seen it. It's just this like week. And it's such an interesting movie because going into it, you're thinking, especially I obviously didn't see when it came out in 2005 or I think it was might have been 2005, 2006, depending on like it's weird with those kind of releases because they put them on like film festivals. Mm -hmm. So when does it really count? Yeah. Um. If, if you saw it then and you're thinking, okay, they just did three Matrix movies, we're going to get action and these like crazy scenes. And there are some of those action mm-hmm. scenes, but there's also a deeper like, oh, yeah. political commentary, maybe mm-hmm. even uh, not too much on religion, but like just the control. Control of the government is controlling. What I found um, fascinating when I was reading up on it after I watched it is this was technically set in the year 2020. And when you're reading about it, it's scary um, almost how much it was just, it had a lot of similarities of what we've actually been through of like just similar. I don't want to say that. I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but like it just the it's the government against the people. And, the, and then he kept saying like V kept saying like, government should be scared of people like people shouldn't be scared of the government and stuff like that and there was just a few things where i was like oh wow that's a little crazy right yeah there were there were three main things for me which was outlawed art yes and him doing the v's was Mm -hmm. almost seemed like a bigger deal than it had to be uh having a curfew which telling me it's set in 2020 a a little little too accurate yeah and another one that is unfortunately too accurate is that the police in this movie and i'm not going to say every police in real life but mm-hmm. it is out there mm-hmm. that the police are criminals themselves in this yeah, movie they abuse power right yeah and they they take advantage of this um the the action not that it's a crazy amount but it's just it's very well shot and it almost it uses the action to kind of offset all of the underlying things that they're all the messages they're trying to tell you and the connection that's really growing between Evie and V. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about it was that he has a mask on the entire time. Like you don't see anything. You don't see lips. You don't see eyes. You see nothing. Yet somehow you know what he's feeling and thinking like that is some really brilliant acting because there's something away the way he moves his head or he moves his body or the words he used. Like it's really impressive to be able to convey how you're feeling without using your facial expressions, right? Like I was really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. The um the the love, if we want to call it that, yeah. between Evie and V is is amazing because it's not physical. It's yes. not it's not about what they look like and no. she gets her head shaved and it's all a test to see if she's loyal, which mm-hmm. I'm going to say maybe a little drastic. Yeah, it was Probably a little e- much in the jail cell. Yeah, a little, little... little easier way to test if she's going to be loyal. Yeah. And I heard someone say um, after when I was like, because I watched it and I'm like, I want to hear other people if like mm-hmm. I'm having the same thoughts. And one of the videos I watched on this, the guy said, um, this is like if Heath Ledger's ledger's joker was a good guy right because it is such a good job because behind the mask you're, you're right the movements everything that hugo weaving does is telling the story and mm-hmm. is developing this character yeah and it builds these characters so well that when you meet them you're thinking one thing and by the time you get to the end you're thinking how did we change so much as characters mm-hmm. and how did they change like not even just obviously Evie and V, you could you see their development the whole time, but even the police captain or whoever he is, yeah, you can kind of see even his mind going, "Am mm. am I on the right, right. side of this? Yeah, are yeah. we really doing what's right?" Well, even the girl, the end, the last girl that he ends up killing, because he he goes on a vengeance for the people that did this to him, because he was part of a genetic like testing or whatever, right? And so. Even her at the end, she was just kind of like, yeah, you're here to kill me. Like she was she was almost OK with it because I think she realized like what she did was really wrong. And I think she was just like, yeah, like, go ahead. Like it wasn't um, it wasn't a dramatic like he didn't she wasn't screaming or chasing around the room. She was just kind of like, yeah, it yeah. was a it I've was been an acceptance. Expecti- I've I've been expecting you kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I love that it's based off a graphic novel yeah. to think about where this stuff kind of comes from. And also, I'm pretty sure it's under, I'm pretty sure it's under the DC f- flag universe. Oh, yeah. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I, I remember just in the uh, credits. Okay. Maybe the opening or the, I, I don't remember exactly where. Okay. But to have, to build this type of story and build this type of movie from a graphic novel is is pretty impressive especially mm-hmm. when we always talk about how descriptive books can be but graphic novels are such a good balance of you can have good description and you could still have those pictures yes yeah yeah for sure um yeah i mean for anybody if you're looking for a bit of a a bit of a deeper watch i would call mm-hmm. it yeah where for sure. i mean with both of these with lock stock you're you really have to pay attention to the to the story that's going on because yeah. if you're not paying attention, you're gonna stop and go, who well, who are these two guys? Who are these? Why? Are, what is this? Yeah. Why, why are they here? And although they have the neighboring thing to help them, it's it's still a pretty confusing movie. Yes. And V for Vendetta, you're gonna think it's like, oh, we're taking down the government, or I guess maybe that's not. You're you're thinking, oh, it's this masked like maybe he's the psycho whereas you're kind of like oh like i understand what he's all about now right yeah, like, he's very well educated and well like he's well spoken and you know he's he's not a crazy person he he actually he stands behind like what what he is trying to do and that's you know what he really like the way they're living their life isn't proper and he's trying to set it straight and he's trying to get everybody to have the confidence to back him up kind of thing right mm-hmm. not not gonna again say the ending but a little fight clubby vibes yep yep definitely yep for sure it was it was a little different i mean two two movies that although Lockstock is funny not the most lighthearted. I, I guess I should just save you for Vendetta. Not the most lighthearted you're going to watch. Yeah, no, no, for sure. But I really liked it. Like, again, I wouldn't have watched this movie because it seemed like it was going to be scary. And it's not scary at all. Like, it makes it look like you've got this, like, crazy stalker going after Natalie Portman. That's in my head what it, the movie was about. It is not that at all. So it just, I'm glad again that I'm being pushed outside of my comfort zone of movies. Like it really, I love that I'm being awakened to the, all the movies that are out there. Right. And Mm. she did such a great job. Natalie Portman was excellent in this. So it was good to see her in that role. Yeah. And with her, you could, you could see it was a lot more physical. Yeah. Well, cause they, they did the head shaving was like, they did that. Like it was real. I would cry. Yeah, I don't know many people that. I mean, I wouldn't really care because my hair would grow back in like a week, a day, <laughs> a couple of days. Yeah, but yeah, you can you can see the stress they put on her mm-hmm. compared to Hugo Weaving, who is behind the mask. Yeah. I also, I'm glad we didn't have any like corny like. Let me see what's under. Oh the, like, yeah, even no. Yeah, we just never see his face. Let's no. just say that, guys. Yeah. So we never see it. So even if there's an opportunity, we still don't. We don't see it. So. Mm-hmm. It's cool, right? Yeah. Uh, are we ready for the low-key finale? Sure. I don't know, man. But yes, you go. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, You know what? I'm going to say, I'm just going to say this, and then you can kind of take over. Watching it a second time, way better. I mm-hmm. have to say, when I watched it the first time, I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, I was a bit confused, and I didn't really... I think it's just hard when you have finales, because you're tr- you're watching it with so many different... Like you're excited and you're whatever. But once you've seen it and you can like decompress a little bit, then you watch it. It did make more sense to me because at first all I had was a question mark because I was like, I'm not really sure what I watched. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, OK, I'm I'm understanding it a little better now. So mm-hmm. you go ahead. So do you have more of like the plot? Like I have the, the this like the way they it all happens. Okay. So they arrive at the castle. I'm even going to go back to the opening oh, okay. credits, which is... The big thing about this episode, and if, if you're still listening to this moment, oh it's please, guys! Major spoilers, Spoiler. not even for just the show, but just for the MCU in general. Not that we can spoil that, but this, to me, this conversation is more about what's to come more mm. than what happened. Right, right. So the intro is basically setting up that everything is about to change. Yeah, yeah. You have not only the the what seems like the regular intro, and then. You get quotes from all around. You get Sam saying, nice job, tic-tac, hope, uh, that's how you punch. T'Challa saying, Wakanda forever. Uh, Scott, 
has a line in there. Peter Quill is like, it's a dance off, bro. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thor is, um, he's a friend from work talking Mm -hmm. about the Hulk. Steve, I can do this all day. Uh, I know. Uh, I can't remember what Hanks is. Hanks is like, uh, Hank Pym has a line in there. Loki is the, we have a Hulk, uh, even Korg. And then they all just kind of combine. Mm -hmm. You hear all these voices and it just becomes indistinct. And when you think we're about to start the show, we're going on another journey through what we can now acknowledge as the sacred timeline. Okay, yeah. Which would be what what we're on right now. <laughs> right. It is a little, I'm going to say Loki, similar to WandaVision, gets a little, you it's get a little, little existential. It's a little trippy. That's what I felt like. I was like, like, is this really happening? Is there alternate universes? Do I need to like go see my other person? Yeah, is there going to be another me? Yeah. Um, so after this, as we're traveling through, we hear a, quite a few more voices. We hear a couple of Marvel, like Vision, the um, uh, what's grief, the grief, but not persevering mm-hmm. love. The I might have mixed yeah, that up. You're right. And we hear Greta Thunberg, the like, activist. I don't even want to say, yeah, yeah kid, the- the child activist. She's a teenager now. She is a teenager, yeah. Uh, Nelson Mandela, Neil Armstrong, Malala, Maya Angelou, and it's just the show has already been trippy enough, so this beginning, watching it the first time, you're kind of thinking, okay, what are they doing? Why, yeah. are, we, why are we seeing this? Watching it the second time, you're like, okay, they're showing us the world we have now, mm-hmm. and this episode shows us how it's changing right so let's let's go in order and i only really have a i have a few notes but it will be a longer conversation i imagine okay so they arrive at the castle and they're standing at the door and they're like you know like don't knock down he's loki's like don't knock down the door and sylvie's like my whole life i've been waiting for this moment like give me a second right so they get into the door or they do no it opens it opens automatically, and as they're standing there, again, watching it the first time, you're thinking, what's this ring that's going all around them mm-hmm. that is the sacred timeline? Yes, which is crazy. Then that Minute girl comes yep. up. Miss Minutes, definitely, Minutes. definitely oh. sus. She, 100%. She's, she's, he, she's not good, guys. No, the whole time, it was just, there was something off. Not only that it's an iconic voice that's played in so many different like animated shows, but once you see her... In in there at the end of time, which is where we are after they get through the void, mm-hmm. you're thinking, okay, so she is somehow involved in this. It's not much, but she's still there, which is enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're standing in this room and they're, you know, kind of just talking about what to do. And all of a sudden the elevator opens and he who remains... Uh, and for those interested, he who remains is actually is a real person in the comics that created the TVA. Yes. So he is eating an apple and he is like kind of happy to see them or whatever. Like he's not, you know, he's like, hey, like he's pretty cash. And it, seem, it seems like he saw old friends. Yeah. Like he was just like, hey, OK, you guys are here eating his apple. Let's go up to my office. So they go up to the office while they're in the elevator and she goes and they're kind of talking and he says something loki's like so you're you're a person he's like yeah flesh and blood Mm -hmm. and that's when sylvie tries to like unalive him unalive him but he can get out of the way so because he knows it's gonna happen that's why he has and that's later in the conversation as they're sitting (laughs) there he has a script and he knows everything that That's, is going to happen, a part of their conversation. Yeah. Every movement, every... Everything. So he can move out of the way if Sylvie goes to, like, hit him or whatever, right? Um, but now we skip back to... We're back at the TVA with Movi- Mo- Mobius. Sorry, I was about to mix their two names. And Ravona. And she... Mobius comes back, back to the TVA and is standing in the office and is, like, you know trying to have a conversation with her and I, I feel like I know I called she's bad but I don't think she's like in the core of her is bad I think she b- really believes what like she it's like you don't want to believe that what you believe in is wrong yeah. do you know what I mean does that yeah. make sense like so you you just you keep kind of going on the path because you're too afraid to get off of it so yeah so they have their conversation and she was he was gonna try and do something and she um, prune her prune her and then she she got away like she got 
she kicked his ass like yeah. it was nothing really embarrassing it by was. mobius you just you gotta gotta be smarter than that and then she walked through the temp or she got her temp pad and she walked through a thing and was like i'm going to find out about free will or something yeah which was the beginning of their conversation where she was questioning it and yelling at him like free will like no one has free will except who's in charge yeah so it does leave it a little bit open if she is is bad i'm gonna double down and commit and say that she is Mm -hmm. i know that's your your from the start you're very on that page i think if anything she would join our now antagonist right right and i think she can be in she could possibly be involved with him having the script Mm -hmm. if she figures out the free will and decides to join him right right that's good um okay so then we skip to it is 2018 and b15 it's in fremont like i think it's like ohio or something but at b15 and um she's she's hiding b15's hiding there and so the tva people yeah come there and she's like she's lured them there because she wants them to see ravona which is really not or yeah i guess it's judge they call her judge Rhineslayer or whatever yeah so he walks in the room and he sees her and this ravona girl she doesn't know who this is because this is back in 2018 so this proves that they are kidnapped yeah they're all they're all variants of themselves i think in the back um i did only watch it a couple hours ago i think it her said her name was rebecca maybe but there's there if you watch it again in the background there is like a uh diploma with her name with her actual name on it i don't know if it's it's that clear but it it's it's b15's chance to show that this is a sham we're all variants yeah to get everyone else to understand because you can't just say it they're gonna not they're not gonna believe you're gonna think they're you're crazy so she has to physically show them so she takes them there to prove that they are variants so then we skip back over to he who remains and he starts they're in their office and he starts explaining that um that he has paved this way for them to get here and he explains about the multiverse and he explains that he's actually from the 31st century and he explains kind of how it all which is actually really cool because they did it with like um like clay almost or whatever it was and it kept moving it was pretty that was pretty cool yeah i liked that and a part of it must have and in a part of one of his speeches he reveals who a lot of people think is the villain the big bad and will be the big bad moving forward which Mm -hmm. is kang the conqueror right because he doesn't exclusively say kang Mm -hmm. he does say i've been given a lot of names you know ruler and he puts a very big emphasis on conqueror right so this is we're now seeing kang the conqueror and he's explaining that there's infinite versions of himself and a lot of them are a lot more evil than him mm-hmm. so he's telling them you ha- basically have two options you can take over for me yep. and keep running the timeline and keep it sacred or you kill me mm-hmm. and it's you no re- longer protected and the multiverse opens yeah so then you're opening it up to like what did you say a million more of me or something or a million variants of me and it's the multiversal war right which he then also explained that how he finished it the first time was using Eliath, the big cloud monster from the previous episode right was yes how he figured out how to use Eliath to win right yes uh so then loki and sylvia are fighting over what to do and like sylvie thinks loki is just oh you want to be in charge and whatnot um so they do kiss but then which was it was cute because you think oh okay but it was really just a ploy for her and she turns around and pushes loki back to the tva right was it the tva it was back to the tva again people are i'm gonna just say you're still listening still a mistake because loki's walking through and he sees B-15 and Mobius, they're talking. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my God, do you see all these branches that have opened? Because we can even see it, too, basically outside the window. And they show us the the sacred timeline is being branched, yes. even as this conversation is happening. Mm-hmm. Because also in this conversation, it is pretty funny that he has a script and then there's just a point And he's like, we it's, hit the threshold. What's it? There's no more. I don't know what's going to happen now, right? Mm-hmm. Like a decision has to be made at this point. 
and it's so cool because he says it of like um okay i knew everything until about seven eight nine ten seconds ago and then it's just this kind of like pause of like what's gonna happen because now he doesn't know it's it becomes the free will of they get to make those decisions yeah and as loki gets sent back sees b15 mobius talking and he's like and they're saying how do we fix this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and loki goes you can't can't. we we made a big mistake because he knows when sylvie pushes him out all sylvie wanted to do was to kill this guy yeah and she does Mm -hmm. and to her we don't see sylvie again but we think she she thinks she succeeded and she did what she needed to do yeah and loki's freaking out okay we can't do we made a big mistake and mobius turns to him and says you're an analyst right who's what's your name like who are you no idea who he is and it's one of those like the one i thought of was uh the planet of the apes when i think it's planet of the apes when he realizes he wasn't on a different planet he was on earth the whole time because the statue of liberty is in front of him okay never seen it so i can't help you out here i think it's planet of the apes i'm not exactly sure but it's one of those reveals because they don't know who he is and she pushed him in she pushed him out through this like the yeah, door, the door with thing. the temp pad yeah after the multiverse had already opened yeah so he's now sent he's been sent to a place where he looks over to uh usually where the three timekeepers are mm-hmm. their statues it's kang the conqueror it's yeah. he who remains is standing there and it's kind of almost that reveal that he's been taking over timelines and putting himself in charge. Yes. Yeah. When Mobius didn't know who he was, I almost couldn't handle that because they had such a bromance and I was so into it. And then it just, it's so sad. I was like, no, no, it's, it's your friend. But he didn't, he didn't know who he was. No. Um, yeah, that's all I, that's all I put. He puts, yeah, sees Mobius and B15. They don't know Loki. That's kind of how, that's, that's all I really have for the only other thing I, I I think a lot of people have kind of tried to clue into is trying to connect WandaVision and Loki mm-hmm. was there's a moment in their talking and it's a moment of silence where there's this rumbling. And if you look in the background, there's this flash of red and yellow. And to me, that would signal, especially with with this happening and WandaVision happening, it's the multiverse. And I think it's Wanda. Wanda. I think it's either the final fight between mm-hmm. Wanda and Agatha that makes him even just pay attention right and just shows how powerful she is or it could be her with the dark holds trying to open up the multiverse to get her kids back right right that's true and yeah he he if you if you watch it back there is this like rumbling and he kind of like looks over his shoulder and, and it's one of those he doesn't know what's going mm-hmm. on but he knows it's something right right and this sets up what we're going to see over the next couple of years yeah because and uh, we haven't talked about the What If series yet on here, but it's it starts it's coming soon. August August eleventh, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think they knew what they were doing with timing. They gave us a trailer in the middle of this show because it's opening up the multiverse. And now this animated show that really can have anything. It's T'Challa as Peter Quill as the Star Lord. It's What If Peggy Carter is Captain America, but I don't think she. I think it was Captain Carter from the trailer. Oh, yes. But it's just, it's opening up all these things. What if Killmonger helps Iron Man? And it's its going to be these fascinating stories that can technically be canon because we're in the multiverse now where anything can yes, happen. Yes, Yeah, you have you have that backing you up of like, remember, we opened the multiverse, guys. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> you can. It, it opens it up to something special, especially in December, we're getting a new Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. which... For the most part, movies don't usually wait until only a couple months before to have any sort of teaser or trailer whatsoever. I think they were waiting for the end of this show. I'm not going to go out and guarantee we're going to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, but we know we are seeing villains from the other Spider-Man movies. Right. So they kind of needed that to open up the multiverse to say, okay, Jamie Foxx's Electro, Alfred Molina, the Green Goblin... All of them can come into this movie because we've opened the multiverse. Right. And we can only just hope and pray that we see the other two Spider-Men, which I think having all three of them together would be incredible. Right. That would be pretty cool. For sure. And then next year, we're going to get Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, which 
his is being set up as a horror movie. Boy. And it's Sam Raimi, Raimi the original Spider-Man director with Wanda, I imagine with Spider-Man and I don't know where Kang the Conqueror is going to pop up, but it's definitely going to be a part of these next these next few movies. If they can open the multiverse, does that mean that Iron Man or Black Widow or anybody can come back into it? Technically, yes. It mm-hmm. would it would open up, but it would be different versions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it would open it up to have those actors come back in some way. Yeah, I think Scarlett Johansson kind of said she's done, but... I feel like, especially with Black Widow, they've kind of wrapped up her story, and I think it's the same way with Iron Man. I don't yeah. even think Robert Downey Jr. did the voice for Iron Man oh, really? in, I... in the show. I think they had in someone the else. Wow, he was like, no, I'm good, thanks. He's, he, he's made his money, and he's made his impact as Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll no, see. it was an interesting show, Loki. I found um, they've all they've all been so different, like WandaVision and then, you know, the Winter Soldier and then this like they just they just give you a little bit different. This one, Loki was a little more of a mind thing and it was a little more slower. And yeah, I think it was just a necessary story of like to open it up for what's to come. Right. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. How would you rank the three? Well, definitely, I would say Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I just really enjoyed it. I like it. To me, that's such a Marvel thing. Um, I think I do Wanda and then I do Loki third. Oh. Yeah. I really enjoyed Wanda. I thought it was really. But then I really, the first few episodes of Wanda weren't my favorite, but I think it kind of redeemed itself. And I love Katherine Hahn. Um, Loki, I just found sometimes a little confusing and I found it a little bit. I loved Owen Wilson and him, but yeah, I would say. How about you? I would go. I would go Loki one, and then Falcon, and then Wanda. Wow. Okay. Just and I think it's because Wanda those first few episodes mm-hmm. they just didn't give us the outside world early enough to understand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're gonna look back at Loki and just think, wow, look at what this is set into motion. Yeah. I think, and I think that's kind of unfair for WandaVision because I think. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is it that's why putting you on the spot ranking the three they're so different WandaVision and Loki are more similar yes Falcon and the Winter Soldier is basically just a movie it's a Marvel movie it's just your typical it's exactly the recipe it's action it's yeah the bromance of the boys it's yeah yeah and they they really did throw in a lot of deep yeah especially Black Lives Matter things they did it's not all action it's uh, you know it was more underlying that people then tried to deny yes which is yeah embarrassing. All right, let's get into our memorable move, memorable music and movies. Yes. So we how we did we said ten right? Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I have nine, but okay. So I'll go first because I have ten. Okay. This is the one. So I said I set rules for myself. This didn't have to be for you. But okay. Okay. I I tried to do either movie songs that weren't made for the movies or had the same title as the movie. Right. Right. Because I, I really thought, I'm like, oh, I was thinking 8 Mile because of, mm-hmm. like, Till I Collapse lose yourself, or yeah. Lose Yourself. Those totally. are both too good for, like, not too good. They are both very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that was, like, when I thought about it after I wrote it and I set those rules, I'm like, okay, it's kind of, but the, um, my heart will go on for Titanic. Right. It was made for that movie. It was. It hasn't really been used in another movie. No. And when you hear that movie, is that not what you think of? You always think Titanic, right? Yeah, it is. They which are is, very connected. Which is what it is. Like, I was going to say, like, for, like you know, movies, to make a movie successful, like, there's so many attributes. Like, you need good acting and a good script and a good director and whatever. But when you add in the music, like, music is just, it's so important and it needs to be done properly and in the right like spots or whatever and it just creates for the us viewers like you understand what that person is feeling or what is what's trying to be portrayed music is just so important right Mm -hmm. um so my (laughs) this one's funny it's actually a tv show but it was from gossip girl um and it's called um it's it's m83 and it's called Outro is the name of the song. And so Blair, played by Leighton Meester, and Chuck, 
played by oh crap i can't remember his name all of a sudden oh so yeah i was talking about this with my girlfriend not the song thing but i thought chuck bass was like the real chuck bass yeah whoever plays chuck bass guys it and blair they they just i can't believe i can't remember his name that's so crazy but he they were they were in a car accident together and he she lost a baby and then he goes uh so then she wakes up and she realizes she lost the baby and they they're like we don't know if he's gonna make it and she's in the praying room or whatever she's praying and she's like please just like you have my baby please don't take him like if you if you let me if you keep him here on earth I will marry the she was supposed to marry this prince guy and she goes I promise I will marry if you keep him here and all of a sudden the doors open and this music starts and there's light and there's a nurse standing there going Chuck is asking for you. So she walks in down the hallway and it's like kind of in slow motion with the song playing. It is so powerful. And this is gossip girl, you guys like it's, but it's just the way that it was just the right, the perfect song for, for that kind you know, and then she's walking towards them and all you can hear is this music and there's kind of stuff going on in the background, but yeah, it was really well done. Uh, Ed Westwick. Oh, frick. I never would have gotten that. I don't know. And I was then, like pen bat like I knew that's the other guy like I just kind of chase comfort like I couldn't get his name yeah so that's my number nine I uh, guess I didn't do 10 I don't uh, know why I, was I didn't say, really do it in order I guess either. I also didn't rank them. no I didn't rank these they're not ranked at all uh another one for me Rocky three okay. I, I the tiger yes it is a very they're very synonymous with each other well, and you hear it and you, you want to start like punching things, or, right? You're just like, do, 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 do. Like you're just, and it's like, it's a very sports. Yeah. And especially montage It's good for, good for stuff like that. Very good for the montage. We love them. We love a good montage. We're all about that. Uh, so I have another um, kind of TV show, but I guess it's not really a TV show. It's like, it was a, a limited series, but it was Big Little Lies. And it's Harvest Moon by Neil Young. And whenever I hear that, I think of Celeste, played by Nicole Kidman, and Perry, played by um, Alexander Sarsgaard, and they're dancing. It's their song. So it's played multiple times, actually, through that show. And it just reminds me of them. So every time I hear it now, that's what I think of, is, is them. It's funny. I thought you would have said the opening, oh, like the opening that. song. Is, the that's opening. the changes, right? No, that's um. His name is Michael. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, no, changes is um Bradley, the the guy who passed away. Yeah, but isn't that song a part of the the opening? The show? Yeah, it's part of the show. Sorry, not the opening though. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, anything. Yeah, Charles Charles, Charles, Charles Bradley. Bradley. Charles Bradley. I always think of Big Little Lies, and that I saw him in concert. I was gonna say it's also the opening to Big Mouth. That's how I. Oh, that's how I know yeah. it. I remember you heard you played that song and you were like, "Oh, Big Little Lies," and I'm like, nah, "That is not what I think of." Oh, I wonder what Meg would think of. We yeah, should play that we song should, and tell her what... because she watches both the shows. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, "Gangsters Paradise" by Coolio. Okay. Dangerous Minds, and it's such a weird because it's this like, the teacher helping the inner city kids, and it's, it's Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's the like gangster's paradise for that movie right it doesn't make sense like when you just think about it logically but then you put it together and it just kind of works right right and what's the scene do you remember or now is it i remember it from the trailer mm, i don't yeah. remember if it i mean i'm sure it was part of the movie yeah yeah um i have to i have to give a shout out to my almost famous in the famous bus scene when they're they're all mad at each other and tiny dancer by elton john comes on and they're all mad at each other. And then that song comes on and they all just slowly start singing it. And then all of a sudden everything's fine. And that, that is a perfect example of music will make everything better. It's fine. Just play a good tune that everyone can sing along to. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another one for me, Space Jam, which haven't seen Space Jam 2 yet. But I believe I can fly is the moment right. when Michael Jordan's retired and he's with, he's with the Looney Tunes and he gets his like North Carolina shorts, which they do it in the movie like he has to wear his north carolina shorts under his like actual shorts which actually happened in real life oh, okay and he's going again montage he's it. he's draining shots he's dunking yes. and it's just i can believe i can fly and it's one of those moments they do it also at the beginning of the movie when he's a kid and it leads into the opening montage of the movie but it's used twice and it just works perfectly both times yeah that's fun 
Um, so I also did the song You're So Vain by Carly Simon in the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. So at the end, when they both realize that they've been kind of playing each other, um, which is uh, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, that song comes on and they start singing to each other, but like angrily and they are start adding in other words like you knew what you were doing and then you are so vain and then they, you know, she's singing and then they're talking kind of in between. So every time I hear that, I think of it such a great scene. Like it's it's really it's funny and it's yeah. So it's mine. Uh, another maybe not so funny one, but a movie we watched a few weeks ago. It's the only it's a song that I hear a lot, but I never, I only think of it with this movie. And it's Jared Leto sitting down in a chair. It's good old Christian Bale putting on his, uh, his not a suit, but uh, basically like a rain right. like poncho. Yep. And it's just, it's Huey Lewis in the news. Yep. Hip to be square. Hip to be square. And it's just such a gruesome because it's, he puts an ax into his head. Mm-hmm. But it is just, it's a charming scene because you can see him setting up to do this. Yep. But he's just talking to him and he's talking to him. And I know it's another point in the movie where I think he's talking about, um, not Tom Petty, but he, he plays with the oh, two uh, girls. Oh, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Or he's like, or Genesis. It's one of, it's yeah. either, it doesn't matter. Same, same, but. And he just, he's monologuing through these songs and I can just, I can never hear that song and not think about that scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Did you happen to do Shrek? No. No? Okay. So I did I'm a Believer by Smash mm. Mouth because every time I hear the song, I think of Shrek and Meg made me put it on my list because she was like, how would you never put that? Like that movie, It's that's exactly what you think of when you hear I'm a Believer. Yeah. I was going to say Shrek is a good one because then when you said Shrek, I was thinking the Leonard Cohen Hallelujah. Oh, that you there's said. so many. Yeah. Even the beginning of the second one when the... Spoiler for Shrek 2, when the dad dies, right? they play a song, and I think it's John Lennon. It's either John Lennon or the Beatles. But okay, yeah. They just There's a lot they, of good songs we in We said they must have had a huge budget for Shrek, because the music is incredible. Like, it's so many good hit after hit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm surprised I didn't hear this one from you yet, but uh, Saturday Night Feeling Fever... Mm-hmm. and staying alive yeah yeah i know that's it. totally when he's walking down the street yeah. in his white suit yeah and just ah, and he's ah, 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 ah. don't do it we'll get we'll get in trouble i think it's only i wonder i think that it's like a certain amount of time i think it's like if you're under five seconds you're good uh, okay but i think we're good i think we're good and we're uh, really great singers so uh, they might think we're actually the Bee Gees. <laughs> right <laughs> Um, so I'm going to go with, um, another one of my big favorites is garden state. And I think I've talked about the scene before, but it's the fireplace scene where Natalie Portman and, um, Zach Braff are having this like really in-depth conversation. And then, um, they, she kind of goes like, do you want to see me tap dance? And they pull out. And as they pull out the song called fair by Remy zero starts playing and they pull right out until it's like you know, like they were right up close to them and then they start pulling out with this song. And so, and it was just such a great choice for a music part or a music to be put there. And that, and that song is, yeah, it's beautiful. I I don't know many people out there that don't love a homoerotic volleyball scene, (laughs) but if you take, if you throw, take my breath away with that, (laughs) while these dudes are just shirtless playing volleyball and they're (laughs) high fiving and just, it's such a, yep montage montage it is well it's definitely a a little montage it kind of is because when i think montage i think of like different scenes but it is a little montage in the same like volleyball scene right take and take my breath away great choice for a nice top gun uh volleyball are you gonna see the new top gun yeah yeah you like miles teller right i do and I'm, i'm not a i'm not against tom cruise no no i know but i'm just saying like he's doing the next one um okay breakfast club the ending of breakfast club how do you not hear hey 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 hey. 
Uh, don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. I mean, I don't know how you would ever hear that song and not think of the ending of that with Judd Nelson, like throwing his arm up in the air and just like it is just it's that movie, right? It's that type of movie. I was also going to do the Ferris Bueller Twist and Shout is another one because when he's on the float and he's doing the yeah. his little thing, like whenever I hear that song, I think of that scene in that movie, too. So this is one of those, those things we could always pick back in another time and probably pick. And other oh, movies totally. and totally. I love this. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. Like, I mean, my gosh, we're like 48 episodes in. I have three left, and I just love all three of these so much that I don't want one of them to think they're third. Right. But <laughs> uh, a lot of people forget Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't a popular song for a long time mm-hmm. until you throw Keith and... Not Keith. Wayne and Garth. Why did yeah. I say Keith? Wayne and Garth in the van... Wayne's World. Yeah. And it brought the song popularity. 100%. Like, people didn't really, you know, they might have liked the song, but that brought it to another level, right? Where if you're, if you're ever out, I guess maybe not every place would play it. Maybe more of like bars, I guess, would play it. And everybody knows in the moment, okay, you're going to sing high, you're going <laughs> to sing low. low. Yeah, and yeah. you just, you put on this performance to sing the song. You do. You feel like you're on like a Broadway show and you're like, now we're really going to give it. We're going to give it our all. And we Five, are going to six, seven, seven eight. eight. <laughs> totally. Um, so I'm going to say um, my next one is from Cruel Intentions. And at the end, Reese Witherspoon is driving in a convertible and um, she's kind of just she's really gone through a journey in this movie and the song Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve is playing. And I think it was, again, just that perfect choice. And anytime I hear that song, that is exactly what I think of, of Reese in, a, in her, this convertible. Yeah. Um, I also love songs that just fit the vibe of a movie. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want a movie, a song to make so much sense for a movie, you pick a song that's called Shipping Up to Boston. Okay. And you have Leonardo DiCaprio doing some, uh, uh, not push-ups, but he's like, he, he's getting jacked in jail. Okay. And Matt Damon's having the time of his life as a police officer. Right. And it's The Departed. How the like shipping up to Boston, how intense that song is right. and the intensity of that movie are, are perfectly matched. Yeah. You love that movie. Eh? You yeah. and I with like, I'm almost famous in garden state as much as I can bring it up and you're departed, departed in Marvel movies. <laughs> Where, yeah. Which um, that's might yeah. be my number one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Good tease. Well, I mean, I don't know how, like, I don't know how I don't have a Marvel movie because you and I were at the cottage and we were talking about doing this one and a song came on and we're both like, what do you think of? And we both said it, right? It's, do you remember what song? Um, It was, hey, hey. Oh, what? what? That's the thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I didn't pick that for my last one because there's so many songs. So many songs, especially like in the that. hooked on a feeling. Yeah, it's a good, it's a great soundtrack too. Okay, so my last one is Goodfellas, another one of my big faves, and there is a song "Gimme Shelter" by Rolling Stone, and it is a montage, and he is trying to get drugs from one place to another place and pick people up, and it's just like a chaotic scene, and that is the song they use, and it is perfect he's got helicopters i think watching him and it's like a whole it's a whole scene and it's that song so anytime i hear that song that is exactly the moment i think of in that movie yeah uh my last one played a few times in a single marvel movie and when i hear a little led zeppelin i hear the immigrant song i just think of thor and to me they used it 10 times in the movie it was probably twice maybe three times at most but just when you hear that and I think they played that in Shrek too, didn't they? No, I think so. Not Shrek two. I meant like Shrek as well, like in, in one of one the, of the yeah, Shreks. Yeah. yeah, I think it was in there too. I feel like it was. And as I think of especially just Thor at the end, and he's like missing his eye, and he's figured out his full power and potential, and it's just he doesn't need a hammer or anything. He just needs his one eye and the sky, <laughs> and just mowing through the bad guys. Yeah. That's good. This is really fun. This is one of my favorites just because I love thinking about, well, I love music, as you know. And so then thinking about, you know, 
how you connect them to how movies. you connect them into movies and how how important they are it's just there's just so important to movies to me and i think a movie or a song can really make or break a movie i think it, or a good soundtrack tips it over the edge for me mm-hmm. so and there's some really good soundtracks out there so all right let's get to our movies for next week or two weeks pick? uh you can go first I, since i already took it no i was handing it to you okay okay what movie am i gonna get i have 68 number 68 um i can't really read it here oh, okay. it's a little dark in here Django, Django Unchained, Beside Interstellar, yes. Yes. Django, Django Unchained. Nice. Wow, back that I read that. I know it's impressive. I can't even read it, and I'm almost right beside it. <laughs> you have to turn around. Well, still. So there we go. Django Unchained, back to the Tarantino verse. Yes, love it. Did you get it? Is it mixed? I I've mixed it. Okay. Oh. This is this is a first, and it's okay. only one time it can be a first. Okay. Number one. <gasps> nice. The Shawshank Redemption. Oh wow, good week, eh? Good week, couple. Well, I feel like can we do you call Django a classic? You call Shawshank a classic? Is I feel like it's like a like a age thing that you can call a movie classic. Oh okay. Or maybe do like an instant classic. Yeah, I don't know what I would say. I would just say like, would you call Django a classic movie? Well, I wouldn't. No. But I would say it's a great movie, and I'm excited to watch it again. I've seen it a hundred times, so well, not a hundred guys, being a little dramatic, but so yeah. When we come back for from our little vacation, Django Unchained, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, okay. Excited. Got anything else? I've got nothing else. All right, and besides that, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>